years ago, I bought a bow and arrow. One of those nice compound bows. You fellas know what I'm talking about, a compound bow. And my intention, of course, was to go deer hunting with that bow and arrow. And I did a few times go deer hunting. I never got a shot at a deer. As far as I know, I never even saw a deer while I had that bow in my hand. But in anticipation of that deer hunting with a bow and arrow, I did some target practicing with that bow. Near where we lived, there was this course that went through the woods, and they had targets set up. As you walked through the woods, you were to shoot at these various targets, and that was pretty hard to do, I'll tell you. It's, those targets were not all that big, and you had to be pretty good to hit them, especially at any distance at all. It was very easy to miss the target. And of course, what compounded my aggravation about that is that out in the woods, if you missed the target, you also probably lost your arrow. And so it, it was it was hard. It, it, it was easy to miss. And, and if you missed by just a little bit, you missed. I mean, it was a miss. Uh, and as I said, often you would lose your arrow when you missed that. I got rid of that bow and arrow. Uh, never did any good with it. It's easy to miss the target. Well, I want to use that analogy this morning. Wait a minute. We've got to do something different here. Hang on just a second. We're not ready to go. Here we Let's see if we can get this to go. Here we go. Here we go. Well, now it's gone to sleep on us. It'll come back. Here we go. And now we're ready. It's easy to miss the target. And I want to uh, use that as a, an analogy today to build our lesson on. And we're obviously going to be talking about spiritual things when we talk about missing the target. What is our target spiritually? What are we after? What are we trying to hit? Well, what we're trying to hit, of course, is heaven. Heaven is our goal. It is our target. And I want to tell you, in regards to this, we cannot afford to miss it. Uh, we can't afford to miss it even by just a little bit. We need to be on target. I think a lot of people are missing the target. We want to talk about some of the ways that they are doing that in our lesson this morning. Missing our target, and our target being going to heaven when this life is over. Before we mention that, before we get further into that lesson, let me stop to add words of welcome to those that Lee has already extended. We're glad that you're here. A beautiful day in Middle Tennessee and a wonderful blessing to be able to come together to worship God. We're especially glad that you particularly are here to join us in this endeavor. We pray that God will be glorified and all of us will be edified as we join together in this time of worship. Thank you for being here. Thanks to visitors. And as Lee said, questions. We welcome questions. If you have them about what we're doing or why, please ask. And we'll try to give a, thus saith Lord, a book, chapter, and verse. We're trying very hard to just follow the Bible and to be a church like the church you read about in the pages of your New Testament. If you have any questions along those lines, by all means, please ask them. Let's talk about missing the target. And what we want to do in a very simple lesson this morning is that we want to look at some actual cases of people in the New Testament who missed it. They missed the target. They were not on target. Now, they could correct that. They could change that. They could get on target. But they were missing the target in the, in the approach that they were using. Uh, and in doing that, we can learn the things that we need to avoid. We learn from studying some of these New Testament accounts that it is not enough, for instance, to just be morally upright. A morally upright person 
Now, it's necessary to be morally upright, but just being morally upright is not enough. And if that's what you're counting on to make it to heaven, you're going to miss the target. There's a lot of people in the world who claim their goodness, you know. And you might talk to them, and you might encourage them that to study with you from the Scriptures, to learn the truth about Jesus Christ, to become a Christian. And they, their response to you might just be, and you no doubt have talked to people, who say, well, I think I'm a good person. I, I think I'm good. I think God will be okay with me because I'm just a basically good person. In the New Testament, we read about a man who was certainly in that category. He was a very good person. He'd been living a morally upright life. Notice with me in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 16, we read about a rich young ruler. It says in Matthew 19, beginning verse 16, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Well, he was interested in the target, right? He wanted to hit that target. He wanted eternal life. So Jesus answers him, beginning verse 18, uh, or at the end of verse 17, he says, If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Well, stop there for a minute. The fellow says, I've been living a morally good life. I've been keeping the commandments that you just mentioned. I've been doing that sort of thing. Is it enough? Am I on target? Will I get eternal life? That's what he was asking about. Jesus said to him, verse uh, 21, Jesus said to him, If thou wilt be perfect, go sell that which thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this fellow uh, was good. He was a really good guy. Uh, in fact, when it came to basic morality, this fellow was doing it right. But Jesus said, you're still lacking something. You're not going to make it. You're going to miss the target. And the problem with him, of course, was that he wasn't really willing to sacrifice of himself to be right with God. He was living morally, and that seemed to be coming pretty easily to him. But when, it, when push came to shove, and when he was asked to really give up something in order to serve the Lord... He wasn't ready to do that. What about us? Is it possible that we might be missing the target? Because, yeah, we're living good lives. And in comparison to a lot of people in the world, we're doing much better than many people in the world. Or maybe we're doing a lot better than most of the people in the world are doing in regards to living moral lives. But just living a moral life is not enough. And if that's what you're counting on, your own goodness to make it to heaven, you're going to miss that target. We need to learn that lesson. We need to know also that it is not enough just to believe in God. You know, we were, we were talking about being morally upright a minute ago, and actually you could describe an atheist as a morally upright person. I think I know some such atheists who are living really basically good lives. They're not out here committing horrible crimes and and engaging in all sort of wickedness and immoral deeds, they're living pretty good, decent lives. They're, they're good neighbors. They're good citizens. They're just basically moral people. But they don't even believe in God. But what if you added to the idea of moral uprightness, what if you added, well, 
add faith in God. Add to your moral uprightness that you believe in God. Would that be enough? Would that get the job done? Could you be on target if you're living a good moral life and believing in God in the process of doing that? And I think, again, we can look at an example in the Scriptures of an individual who would be described that way, and it wasn't enough. You may know where I'm heading. Go with me to Acts chapter 10 and read the description of the man Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now, you can stop right there. I want to tell you, he's a really good guy very moral man, and a believer in God, right? He feared God with all his house. Is it enough? Well, verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. Notice, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And the word oughtest there in the King James Version means what is required of you. He's not just giving him his, he's not saying he'll just give you some advice. He's saying when Peter's come, he'll tell you the things that you must necessarily do to be right with God. And so, uh, here's a good man, a morally good man who believes in God. It's not enough. He's missing the target. If he stayed in that situation, he would not have eternal life, right? I think an awfully high percentage of people believe uh, in God. If we were to take surveys of people right here in our own community today, a very high percentage of the people that we would talk to believe in God. And many of those would be living pretty good lives, but the point is, it would not be enough. Add to that faith in Jesus Christ. I'm a good moral person, and I believe there's a God in heaven. And furthermore, I believe that Jesus Christ is His only begotten Son. Is that enough? If I have faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, uh, there are a lot of people right here in our own town who would teach that would be enough. Just have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just claim Him as your personal Savior. Salvation by faith only would be their doctrine. Lots of people take that route, and yet it is not so. <clears throat> believing in God, believing in Christ as the Son of God is not enough. You will miss the target if you try to rest your salvation on that. In the reading that Stephen did for us earlier from John chapter 12, Really interesting account. During the lifetime of Jesus, in John chapter 12, beginning verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. Stop. They believed on him. Now, they were among the chief rulers, so they were believers in God, right? They were Jewish leaders. They believed in God. Certainly, they were believers in God, probably morally upright people as, as high-ranking Jewish officials. Maybe not, but probably so. But they didn't believe in, but they, they believed but wouldn't act upon their faith in Jesus. Keep reading there. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Good people. God-fearing people. They even believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't act upon their faith in Jesus. 
because they feared what would happen to them if they did. Some time ago, uh, a preacher identified these people as unsaved believers. And that would be a good description of them, right? They were believers, but they weren't saved. Just believing in Jesus as the Son of God is not enough. Way too many people are trusting their salvation to that, and it's going to make them miss the target. Well, keep adding to the picture then. Morally upright, believer in God, faith in Jesus Christ, Maybe even that you believe the things taught in the Word of God. Some people are not very realistic uh, about the idea of God's judgment. Uh, they, surprisingly, you talk to people who don't even seem to have any fear of the idea of judgment. But in reality, we need to be aware of judgment and we need to be afraid of what will happen if we're not prepared in judgment. Uh, if you're realistic and you read in the pages of Scripture about what's coming, that should be a terrifying thought. Especially terrifying if you understand that you're not ready to meet God in judgment. But let's say that you do accept that reality. As I said, there's way too many people who are not being realistic about that, but you are. You know that judgment is coming. In fact, it's a scary thought to you to think about impending judgment, but you don't act upon it. Well, what, what situation does that have you in? Well, it has you in the situation of completely missing the target. You may be aware of judgment, you, you might even be convinced it's coming. And it might be a scary thought to you to think of God's judgment and what will happen in that day. But if you don't do something about it, if you, if you tremble at the thought of it, but you don't act upon it, you still are missing the target. What we're trying to do is look at some actual people in the New Testament who were in that sort of category, and we've got one in this category. Look in Acts chapter 24. You know the statement about the man Felix. In Acts chapter 24, the Apostle Paul was speaking before Felix. And in Acts 24, verse 25, as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He trembled at the thought of judgment, but he didn't act upon it. And there's no indication here, the, 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 these are the final words we have about Felix, really. They're right here at the end of chapter 24 in Acts. There's no indication he ever did anything. He trembled but didn't act. And if you're in that situation, you're not like the people who are unrealistic about judgment. You know judgment is coming. You're aware of it. You believe that it will happen. And you may even be afraid of it when it happens. But if you don't act upon that, you're still missing the target. That target being the goal of going to heaven when this life is over. Well, some people go a little further then. Some people decide, well, I better get religious in my life. I better do something. Uh, I, I, I better be active in one way or another uh, in serving God. Um, you know, right here today in Columbia, Tennessee, we could, we could find dozens of religious groups meeting right now as we are meeting at this very same time that we are meeting. And they're religious. They're religiously active. They're, they're engaged in religious pursuits. 
would it be enough? Just do something. Do anything. Just uh, sort of attend the church of your choice, as the slogan says. Be active religiously. Wouldn't that be okay? As long as I'm doing something in religion, would I be on target? Would I be going where I want to go? Well, again, I think we can find a case in the New Testament where the answer says no. It's not enough just to be religious. In Acts chapter 17, we read about the Apostle Paul. And he was in the city of Athens. And the city of Athens was a city that was very devoted to religious activity. They were worshiping idols. They had an idol constructed to every conceivable thing. And they even, as you remember, had an idol constructed to maybe a god they had overlooked. And they were even trying to cover all their bases by worshiping an unknown god. And Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verse 23, As I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And so here were some people. They were certainly very religious people. Uh, They were engaged in religious pursuits and even had made some effort to make sure they were okay by building this idol to a God that they might have overlooked. Uh, But their religious activity certainly was not on target. They were missing the target. Well, they're busy. They're busy religiously. What if they were particularly zealous in their religion. Now, they weren't just going... What if you could describe someone, everything... Keep putting together the pieces here. This We're sort of intending this to look like a puzzle with all the pieces beginning to fit together. You've got a good moral person who believes in God and Jesus Christ as his son, who believes the things that are taught in the world, a word, especially the things that are taught about judgment coming, religious, in other words, acting in religion, doing something, being active, and even being very enthusiastic about their religious service. Would that be enough? You know, to a lot of people, this is sort of the acid test. Just be sincere. Just be genuine. Uh, be very zealous and enthusiastic. And as long as you have a good heart, that will be enough. And God will be pleased with you. Have we got a case in the New Testament, of somebody who fit all that description? I think yes. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1 beginning, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. As we so often point out here, when he said that, what he clearly indicated is that they weren't currently saved, right? He's praying that they would be, but they weren't currently saved. Notice, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So, that's the description we were looking for, and we find out where it put them. Not right with God. Missing the target. Very zealous and enthusiastic in their religious activity, but not right with God. It is not enough then. Well, what if someone says, well, I'm going to tell you, I have a very clear conscience. Um, All that I've done, as we've been adding to this, and as I zealously go about my religion, it has put me in a situation where I feel at peace with my God. 
I've talked to people, you probably have too, who use that very expression. I'm at peace with my God. Well, is that enough? Is it enough to be at peace with your God, to have a clear conscience? In other words, I'm working religiously. I'm zealously working religiously. And because of all that I'm doing, I feel good about myself. I have a clear conscience. I'm at peace with my God. Is it enough? Well, we, I, you surely know who I'm thinking of here. Who in the New Testament was described that very way? Well, the Apostle Paul himself, right? In Acts chapter 23, Paul was retelling his life story, especially about his conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ. But part of Paul's story was that before he became a Christian, he was a, he was a religiously active person. He was a Jew. He was very zealous in his Jewish religious practice. He was, he was leading the persecution against Christians. And he says in Acts chapter 23, verse 1, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. He felt good about himself. He thought he was doing the right thing. He says in Acts chapter 26, verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things, contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Paul said, I had a good conscience even while I was persecuting Christians. So, what we're doing in each one of these cases is going to the New Testament and proving that it's not enough. And clearly in the case of the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, we see a man with a clear conscience, and it was not enough. With his clear conscience, he was busy persecuting Christians. It didn't make him right. Well, someone says, well, I'm going to tell you about me. All those things are true about me. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm a member of the one true church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know we've been talking about religious people who may be in religious error, maybe even zealous religious people who are involved in religious error. And they're mistaken when they say they have a clear conscience because they're not doing it right. But I want to tell you, I'm a member of the Lord's church. I'm a member of that one true church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Surely that's enough. And I'm on target, and I have heaven as my goal, and I'm going there because I'm a member of the Lord's church. Well, I'll tell you, that's not enough either, is it? We won't take time to read this, but go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, where we have just spent several weeks studying in our Sunday morning adult class. And to those church, seven churches of Asia, to at least five of them, there were members in those churches who were not right with God and who were in great eternal jeopardy, right? So, uh, the, the majority of those churches mentioned in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 3 had in them members who were missing the target. That's our point. Are we taking consolation today in saying, well, I'm a member of the church. I'm a member of the Lord's church. I understand that there's a lot of religious error out there, that denominationalism is wrong, that I shouldn't be a participant in any of that. But I'm here, right? I'm a member of, of a true church of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely by simply being identified here, by being a member of this, by being part of this group, that'll make it okay and I'll be on target. Not necessarily. Now, understand, it's necessary. All that we've said is necessary but it wouldn't necessarily 
assure that you're on target if you're not faithfully serving the Lord. To those seven churches of Asia, in the vast majority of the cases, the Lord said, you need to repent and you need to make it right. It's not enough to just be identified with a congregation. You need to be doing the right thing. Finally, let me suggest to you, it's not enough to just make some preparations for the Lord's coming. In each one of these situations, we've tried to find a case study in the New Testament of someone who was in that shape but not right. I think we've been able to do that. So, again, walk through the points with me. Every one of these things is necessary, but not enough. You've got to be morally right, living morally upright life. You have to believe in God and Jesus is His Son. You have to accept the truths of the Word of God, in particular the things that tell us that judgment is coming. You need to be religious and very zealous in your religion. And you need to have a clear conscience based upon what you're doing in service to God. You need to be a member of the Lord's one true church. All of those things are necessary. But they don't, they don't necessarily prove that you're on target, right? That's the point of it all. And we've got case, we've been able to look at case studies of individuals in the New Testament that help us understand all of, all of that. But what about this last one? Well, I've done something. I've made some preparations in my life. I know that the Lord is coming and I've started out serving Him. I got started. I got going. And I did some things in service to, to the Lord. But I want to tell you, I understand, I know, if I was being honest with you, I know that I sort of let down, uh, I've not been going strong, I've just sort of been coasting along spiritually, and I haven't been really working faithfully. I made some preparations for meeting the Lord, but uh, is that enough? Well, we have one more case study to look at. In Matthew chapter 25, you remember Jesus telling the story of the wise and foolish virgins. Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, beginning verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say to you, I know you not. What was Jesus trying to impress upon them? Verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. The foolish virgins had made some preparation, but not enough. They hadn't stayed fully alert and ready, serving, working, doing the right thing to be ready. That's what we've got to do. Not enough to just make some preparation. And there may be some of you in, in our assembly this morning. You began that walk of faith in Christ and obedience to His will, but you've let down and you've stopped and you haven't been faithfully doing the right thing. Just making some preparation is not enough and you will miss the target if you don't get right with God. 
So, all of our lesson this morning involved descriptions of people who were moving in the right direction, but they were still off target. The target, as we said at the outset, is the ultimately most important thing. Our target, our goal, is to go to heaven when we die. Are you on target? Are you on target? Do you have a reasonable expectation of receiving heaven as your eternal home? Through your obedience and through the blood of Christ and through God's grace and mercy, are you looking forward to a home in heaven? If you're not a Christian yet, you're not on target. You need to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you're a Christian, but you've not been faithfully serving, you're off target too. And you're going to miss the target. You're going to miss it all. As we've often said, you miss this, and nothing else matters. You miss this, you miss it all. If you're a Christian, you're not faithfully serving the Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know where we stand and sing this song.